Today in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we are incredibly proud and happy to have a good friend of ours, the man who runs the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that being Doug Bowles. Mr. Bowles, how are you, my friend? Uh, just like everybody else, I'm hanging in there and uh, just trying to uh, get up every day and see what uh, see what gets thrown at us and uh, how to how to make sure we're you know catching all those balls coming from every direction. So it's uh, certainly an interesting time, but uh, thankful for my help and uh, and thankful that uh, we continue to work towards uh, having races sometime this year. Well, thank you for being so supportive of what we do here on the show. Normally, we would be recording this in your lovely media center, Uh, but we're not doing that this year. And while I extend some thanks, we need to say a massive thank you to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, our pals at torontomotorsports.com, who I believe did some, a fun cartoon of you and some stickers, maybe some shirts last year, which comes to mind. Um, They absolutely did. I think it was two years ago and there's, it's fantastic to see the fun stuff that they do. And, uh, got a couple of those t-shirts here and a few of those stickers around still pretty cool good man and also bell racing helmets usa which set up a fine camp in gasoline alley every year at indy and the the last and maybe the biggest thank you i wanted to extend before we get rolling with the show a year ago uh, we're recording this on a wednesday tuesday night a year ago got the call from a, an angel that uh, we met by the name of joy who was an in-home care nurse who I just happened to find on Yelp while I was in Indy doing my job there reporting my wife's health was deteriorating at home. Joy paid a visit uh, to check in on her and called me soon after saying she was rushing my wife to the emergency room and we found out about an hour later that had Joy not made that decision uh, my wife according to the doctors, was actually within two to three days away of possibly losing her life as the cancer we'd been fighting had just absolutely exploded in some very, very bad ways. So last night just marked a bit of a milestone for us, Doug, knowing how our lives changed radically. And since then, you know, I've been home almost the entire time. She spent the better part of five months and 24-hour Uh, hospital care came home the beginning of October and uh, to a new home that we've uh, made for ourselves and she continues to go to chemotherapy on a weekly basis and physical therapy a couple times and is just fighting like the champ that she is but this whole journey did start coincidentally on a Tuesday evening with my silly self uh, doing whatever I was in the media center getting that call so uh, you and your staff uh, as one, no one would be surprised, offered any and all help needed. Uh, the IndyCar community as a whole, the IMSA and sports car, the racing community has just been so amazing. Our friends at Racer Magazine on their own established a GoFundMe page, which now I think almost 1,900 people have contributed to to help my wife and I with these pretty crazy times. It's just all this stuff coming to a head. We're not racing this weekend, Doug, but I'm just thankful being able to have you here to connect with fans and uh, piggyback off of uh, last year when we did get to go racing and things were normal. So thanks again to you. Thanks to all of my listeners, everyone here. I refer to you all as my family because that's how you treat me. So 
Just wanted to start off here with a quick thanks before we get rolling with our questions. You know, and I'll, let me just add, Marshall, I know you've gone through tough times uh, with your wife. I, I think your listeners, as well as the racing community, have appreciated how you have been open about it. And I think you have been a shining example of how um, a marriage is supposed to work and how you guys really are uh, teammates and, and the amount of time and effort that you've put in uh, supporting your wife. And I know she loves you as much as you love her. And, and it's just been... Um, you know, we've all been praying for you and we know it's been a struggle, but it's also been a joy uh, for us to see, um, you know, how relationships are so supposed to work. So there, even in your struggles, I think you are, you guys are making a big difference in reminding people the importance of, uh, uh, and when you've got a, when you've got a spouse and you've got a partner, the way you, uh, uh the, the way you work together to uh, help each other out. And it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure to watch, to watch you pour your heart and soul into, into taking care of her. And, uh, it's, uh, I think that's part of the reason this community loves uh, loves supporting you is just because you uh, are absolutely 100% um, doing it the right way. Well, thank you, sir. It's my girl. Got to take care of her. Well, let's get rolling here. We have a handful of folks who sent in questions on the topic of the feeling at IMS <laughs> at a time where normally you would be drinking your 400th energy drink or espresso, try to stay awake and running around mental uh so let's see well first of all we've got jason hatfield who says can i just go to lot two and tailgate sunday morning <laughs> says it'll be less than 25 people and we're going to sanitize ourselves with straight vodka <laughs> hashtag kidding not kidding um vincent anderson throws in one says doug what's the uh, the vibe like at 16th and georgetown says it must feel incredibly sad maybe not having cars on track in may asks how you in the state of indiana handling this new reality well i think it's uh it would be very easy to be you know to be really sad it'd be very easy to get really depressed and i've really tried to stay focused on um the optimistic side and and honestly a lot of that optimism comes from roger penske i've just been so impressed with uh, the way that he methodically works through things and no matter what uh, gets thrown at him. He really, truly views this as an opportunity and an op- and an opportunity to make a difference. And on the backside of this, make it um, you know make it better for everybody. So, so his leadership, I think, has helped all of us at the Speedway to feel pretty comfortable and uh, a reason to uh, be optimistic. Certainly, the month of May has been really odd. Um, I tweeted uh, maybe a week or so ago. I came home at. You know, six thirty or seven, it was still light out, and actually, actually ran, and it was just like this is this. Hopefully, this never happens again, right? I, I hope my Mays are back to normal, which is basically twenty four seven at the racetrack in May, just like just like you. And so, so, it, so it is definitely weird. Race day is going to be strange. Um, and I don't know if it was you said it was Jason that it said he wanted to camp in the yes. um, in lot two or at least show up in lot two. And you know, Jason and I probably are similar. I mean, this would would be the forty fourth Sunday Memorial Day Sunday that um, I will have uh, would have come to the uh, Speedway. A couple of those Sundays, things got uh, rained out or pushed, but um, I still went. And so to not really have a reason to go to the racetrack other than I'm just going to go to the racetrack because it's what I do. 
is going to be really, really odd. And and there are so many customers that we have that have you know 25, 30 years more seniority um, and experience of, of that um, than I do. And I know it's going to be hard for folks. We're trying to discourage people from you know, just showing up at the speedway and wanting to tailgate and at the same time encourage people to, you know, if you want to come, you know, park your, you know, your car in, on Main Street, um, walk on Main Street, get a photo by the yard, uh, get a photo by the, by the new gate one sign and uh, enjoy that. But we're trying to uh, just make sure everybody stays safe. And um, so, so lot two will not be open, even, even if people were coming with less than 25 people, um, uh, for tailgating on Sunday, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, do that again uh, in August and and certainly next year. I want to mention one thing I've noticed from some of your social media posts, Doug. It's not as if you weren't aware how much the Speedway means to the average person in and around Central Indiana, if not the entire state. But there have been some pretty amazing gestures that you've come across and captured and shared, whether it was uh, a beer and a note um, honoring a friend that had passed to a variety of things you're finding at the front gate and and wherever else. Share some thoughts about that, because it seems like almost a a daily gift uh, of reminders of the different ways the Speedway uh, holds sway with fans. You know, the thing that, and you're right, I mean, I think we all know it, um, but when you see those gestures, like the, like walking out of the office a few days ago and seeing a, an unopened beer can with a note in memory of a guy who died the day before, um, and he and his, and his friends must have come often to the Speedway, and it, clearly his friends felt like that was an important place and, and left that beer with a note as a tribute to him outside Gate 1, it's... it's um, it's more than a race, right? It, and that's what makes the Indy 500 so special. The race is in, important, but it's all the other things that go on around it. It's the way you, you know, it's where you park, it's who you go to the race with, it's, you know, it's where you sit. It's just all the things that you do. It's the opportunity to give thanks for the country we live in and the men and women who've sacrificed their lives to, to keep us free. All those things that we do is what makes it so much bigger than the race. And oftentimes we get so caught up in planning for the race uh, that we forget um, that, that that what makes people show up isn't just the 500 miles that are run. It's all the other things around it and the traditions and, and memories that they make there. And, and so I often do see that. And, you know, one of the things I've had the most fun doing since just before the 100th running, I started calling 10 customers every night just to say, thanks for being a customer and then listening to their stories of how they fell in love with the Speedway and what makes it so special and they all have their favorite drivers and their favorite race memory, but what really makes it special is who they sit with, who brought them, the memories that come up every year when they come. So when so when you have an opportunity to be reminded of that, like the beer can reminded me earlier this week, or frankly, um, when, when Dan Weldon passed away at Vegas, uh, by the time that we got home from Vegas and landed in Indianapolis and drove to the speedway. The entire front gate became this place where people gathered in his memory. Same with, same with Justin Wilson. I mean, it just becomes a place where, um, you know, people talk more about their emotions than they talk about who won the races. And it's a, it's just a powerful, powerful place. And, 
Um, it's that's what's going to make it this Sunday even harder is that you know people want to see the racing, but but people want to come for the emotional feeling that they get when they're at the speedway, and and uh, that's why I'm I'm certain we'll have a lot of people that just say you know what I'm gonna get in my car I'm gonna drive to the speedway today and I'm gonna go stand outside of gate one just to say I was there and I'll get back in my car and go home because I want to keep my my streak of number of uh, Memorial Day Sundays of going to the speedway alive. I think that there's something pretty amazing about that. Uh, I really do. Let's go to, let's see, got a couple of other questions along these lines here. Uh, let's go to, let's go to our pal Duncan Idaho. He says, Doug, in humanity's absence at the Speedway these last few months, have you seen any wildlife attempts to occupy the Speedway? Yeah, you know, the, being an outdoor venue and a thousand acres, we have uh, we have a ton of wildlife, which is uh, you know the the uh, rabbits and the raccoons and the and all of the waterfowl that uh, are in and around the lakes and ponds. The one thing that recently, um, maybe three weeks ago or so, I was uh, on a Sunday, went to the racetrack to work for a little bit, and Beth. Uh, Beth wanted to come out and so Carter and Christian and actually Connor met us out there and, and, uh, did some bike riding while I was working and, and the boys, uh, stumbled upon the Fox's den that's out there and, uh, uh, saw the Fox run across, um, run across Holman, Holman, um, Boulevard, which is the, the small stretch on the road course that runs through the middle of the racetrack. So we have an awful lot of Fox, uh, that are out there. We've got Hawks, um, the Hawks sometimes, especially, uh, in the mornings or in the evenings when nobody's around, the hawks will um, fly really close to you, and they're you know looking for whatever they can find at the speedway. So there's an awful lot of wildlife at the speedway that that hides. I think when the when the crowds show up, but when you walk around the facility, I'm I'm always a little worried when I walk around the facility at dusk, especially if I'm up uh, in and around grandstands that I'm going to run into the world's largest raccoon that's <laughs> mad at me and, and will chase me around. So there's definitely there's definitely wildlife there, and it's a uh, it's kind of fun, actually, to uh, uh, you know to see how um, uh, people or things other than humans um, enjoy the speedway as well and use it for shelter and, and uh, certainly certainly love uh, love the wildlife there. Need a photo of a large raccoon trying to drag off a giant pork tenderloin sandwich <laughs> or something like that. That just seems and that seems about perfect. Uh, <clears throat> one other question here on this general uh, lane. This comes from Ed Joris. This is Doug. Any thoughts on the timeline, uh, knowing that there's been some furloughs and some other things in reaction to uh, COVID-19? Any thoughts on when some folks that might have had to uh, fall under furlough and whatnot might be coming back? Just curious about getting IMS back to full strength. Yeah, not unlike a lot of companies um, around the country right now, um, the Speedway did go through a, a furlough process, and the, those folks that stayed, we um, took a pay reduction to continue to to continue to work there um, to just help make sure that the Speedway is prepared on the backside of this uh, to continue to be successful. We uh, started bringing folks back off of furlough. A few weeks ago, especially as the weather started changing, and we really needed uh, the bodies uh, working to just prepare uh, to prepare the facility. We've got an awful lot of work going on that uh, that Roger wanted to get done before May, and then now that we've got a little bit more time, he's even added additional work that's going on. The, the infield 
looks unbelievable in terms of the grass and and new trees planted and just the trimming up some of the some of the trees that have been around for a while so they look like they belong there and that they haven't just uh, grown out of control uh, so there's a lot of that going on so some of those folks have come back um, as IndyCar uh, starts coming and getting ready for Texas folks are coming back off a of furlough there I would say that once we know better um, what where the state of Indiana will be we're right now in phase two of of the five phase process that our governor has laid out for us I think as we start getting into phase three and phase four that gives us a better um, comfort level with what uh, what the racing season in particular what July and the IndyCar NASCAR weekend will look like and and that will certainly be getting us to a point where we we need to continue to bring folks back so we're just like a lot of folks just waiting to see um, you know how things progress and, and trying to make sure that we've uh, uh, you know that we're utilizing uh, folks well and at the same time making sure that on the backside of this that Speedway is well positioned to continue to be successful. Amen to that. Let's switch to a different stream. Got a couple folks inquiring about fans and contingencies for the 500. Uh, let's see. Let's go to let's go to Frayed Ends 89. I love social media names. Uh, says Doug, what factors will IMS take into account when determining whether fans will be able to attend? the Brickyard weekend in person, and maybe even as far out as Indy 500. Says, I know it's a really original question you've got a million times, but I felt compelled to ask it anyways. And a couple other folks asking similar things uh, about uh, the return there over the July 4 weekend, but then also as far out as August with the 500. Yeah, and and that's a fair question, and, and I wish I had a uh, an answer that I was 100% comfortable with. But uh, like... Um, a lot of folks, um, we're watching how our state and local governments begin to uh, re- reduce some of the restrictions that they've placed upon organizations uh, related to you know gathering and hosting people, and and then um, so that's going to drive a lot of it. So as we continue to go through the processes, uh, you know, currently the way that governors, um, the governor of Indiana's process works, we would be in stage five just before the July, um, the July 4th weekend. And what that would mean is that we would be able to have some level of fans. The question right now is he hasn't really set out what he envisions that to be for a sporting, uh, sporting venue. So what we've been doing over the last several weeks is just scenario playing through uh, dozens of scenarios, and we've sort of narrowed it down to, you know, seven or eight right now. And then as we progress through these phases, we'll be able to begin to narrow down where we think we're more likely going to be landing for that weekend. And then the good news with the Indy 500 is it's, you know, still almost another two months after that. So we've got plenty of time to make decisions related to the 500. And and obviously uh, what I want to do is I want to host fans for the Indy 500. That's the, the most important thing. So but we also have to make sure, you know, we're doing it in a responsible and, and safe manner. We've been working with our team. Um, in fact, um, some people may have seen on social media, somebody posted a photo on Saturday of a handful of us um, outside of Gate 1 on Saturday, uh, including Roger, um, going through uh, gate scenarios and how we would do gate scenarios and think through uh, safety for, for those gates in terms of the health and safety and what we would be doing uh, for our customers uh, during the NASCAR IndyCar weekend in July, and then walking through the, what would the gate look like? How would you go process through the gate? 
how would you get to the stands? What would the stands look like when you're there? If you had to go to a, res- a restroom or a concession stand, how does that look? So we're beginning to, to, to role play a lot of that, not just, not just have it on paper. And I think that'll help us. So when we know what we can do, we've really thought through a lot of, a lot of these pieces, the good news on, um, concession stands and restrooms. That's one of the places where Rogers spent an awful lot of time focused, especially restrooms. Um, for folks that are used to some of the older restrooms of the Speedway, they're going to be, they're going to be amazed at how nice the restroom experience is compared to what they're used to. And that's also, um, timing wise is great for us because it's going to be a lot easier to keep those clean and, and make sure that those, um, areas of the speedway are safe. So, um, don't know exactly what it looks like right now. I can tell you that when I, when I dream at night, um, I still dream about the Indy 500, uh, once a week or so. And so far every dream has had, uh, has had a pretty full house. So that's, uh, that's our hope. I'm going to give you another amen there, brother Doug. Uh, let's see, where should we go next? All right. We're going to stay in a similar planning vein. This comes from Brad C., I'm curious about Curie. Curie is a new word. I'm Mary Curie. No, let's go with curious. I'm not drunk yet, Doug. It's still early. Um, says, I'm curious about combining the Xfinity race and the IndyCar GP on July 4. Brad says, we'll have two events with tickets and parking cred- credentials, etc., cetera, uh, jammed into the same day. Curious about what preparation has been done to ensure that day meets the varied expectations of both fan bases. Boy, this sounds like a... A lot of fun to try and pull off there. Yeah, so, that, so there, there's definitely a little bit of a challenge there since we uh, originally started those um, events being sold completely separately on two different dates. So we do have some work to do with customers because we do have customers that have uh, tickets to both and products for both, so parking and those kind of things. So as we get a little bit closer to really understanding what we're going to be able to do for the weekend, we'll be reaching out to those customers to kind of solve to solve those issues. Uh, we've started working through internally um, the, the limited number of overlap in terms of um, reserve seats for both to make sure that we've we've sorted those out. And the good news really is that uh, for the Xfinity race, we we did not have as many reserved seats available as we do for the GMR Grand Prix. So if you could you could come to the Xfinity race and buy a GA ticket that allowed you uh, in a lot of different grandstands. Um, and then for the GMR race, more of the grandstands were reserved. So there's not a lot of overlap that we have to work through there. I'm excited about if I uh, having an, Xf- an Xfinity or NASCAR only fan show up and see an IndyCar race and vice versa, because I do think uh, one of the things that our sport, especially now needs to try and do is it doesn't mean you have to become a NASCAR fan necessarily, but one of the things I'd love to see, there's a little bit more respect between the two, uh, the two series and the fan, the fan base among them, because they are um, all the drivers are and, and are talented in their own right, and the cars are completely different, and it takes a completely different uh, style to drive them. Um, you know, we've talked the last couple of years. Uh, when I say we, our our sport has talked the last couple of years about a double header, and I'm particularly excited that the first double header weekend is scheduled to happen at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I know. Um, I called Eddie when we made our announcement because I know Eddie was lobbying for uh, for Texas to be that. And Eddie Gossage, yep, head yes, of Texas Motor yes. Speedway. And then there was a thought that even after we made our announcement that that 
potentially the IndyCar weekend in June at Texas could have ended up being a doubleheader too, as NASCAR was looking through how they were going to manage through their schedule, which would have been cool. Um, but then that would have made him the first and not the Speedway. So I'm still excited now that uh, as those schedules have settled out, that, that the Speedway will be the first to host that. So I, I do think um, our fans will enjoy it. I think our IndyCar fans will enjoy seeing uh, Xfinity cars on the road on the road uh, circuit. I'm excited about Tony Stewart running that race, which should be a lot of fun. I was hoping we'd get a IndyCar driver or two to maybe do the double on that day. So we're, I'm still hoping that that might happen as we go forward. And then, you know, obviously uh, an IndyCar race at the road uh, on the on the road course at the Speedway is a is always fun. So looking forward to it. And the, and the weekend was a you know it was there. We'd already announced the Xfinity race, so when we knew we couldn't have the GMR Grand Prix it made it easy to put it on that weekend. And it also made it easier for us to find a couple of weekends back to back where we could put the, uh, the month of May, as we know it from the oval perspective together, where if we had to find a third weekend together, it was a little bit more of a challenge. So we felt like the best thing to do was just put the GMR Grand Prix right on the big machine vodka weekend. You know, you raise a great point here. I've been trying to preach it for a little while now have to raise my hand and say I was definitely part of the problem for a while. I've been trying to be part of the solution more recently. And that is, you know, when we had IndyCar and it was a raging success and NASCAR was a raging success and it felt like everything was American Le Mans series, you name it. It's really easy to fall along battle lines of passion. Screw those guys to heck, you know, whatever want your series to fail and mine to succeed. I hope that sentiment, as you mentioned, I hope that sentiment is waning globally because it's not as if every racing series is struggling, but we do know that we're working with a limited fan base for motor racing as we try to grow it. Um, So hating on one another's series and or wishing doom and gloom upon whichever major event, uh, I don't know if that so much fits the times anymore. No, I, I agree with you. And, and it's not just, I mean, you, you think about it in our world, we think about it as IndyCar and NASCAR, the battle between the, between the two. And I think you, um, you know, I've always said that, um, I love working with the folks at NASCAR when they come to, when they come to the speedway for the big machine back of 400, they've been great partners and they also understand that they're trying to help us solve an on-track issue that they're the first to say isn't always the best competition at Indianapolis. So every year they're trying to find ways to make that better. Um, and I have appreciated that. I've also appreciated, and a lot of people don't know this, that, um, you know, that the folks at NASCAR, um, oftentimes, um, show up about six thirty in the morning, uh, at the Indianapolis motor speedway for the Indy 500, because they appreciate the tradition and the pomp and circumstance and just the way that that event goes on. And they watch pre-race and hop, back in their car and get on a plane and head back to Charlotte. And to me, the first time that that happened, uh, that I realized that they did that, it, it made me realize that, you know, they, they want us to succeed and they want, they want to be part of, uh, of the whole, uh, motorsport, um, industry succeeding and, and just for them to take time out of their, 
their day leading into one of their biggest days of the year too, um, to spend time enjoying as fans um, what happens on Memorial Day Sunday at the Speedway has always been good. And then I'm a huge short track fan, right? So so that's the other thing. I mean, even our local racetracks, to the extent we can support those local racetracks and, and folks that at the end of the day probably never get a chance to race in, in IndyCar or NASCAR but are just as passionate about their racing uh, and about their sport and just trying to make sure that they know that uh, – you know, you don't want them looking at the, the folks at NASCAR, IndyCar, as, as elitists and not understanding the value that that short track, which in my mind is the, you know, it's the heart and soul, it's the heartbeat of racing throughout our country. Um, and without that, uh, we got no race fans. So it's important that we're trying to be supportive, uh, kind of at every level. Let's go to Jill Lyon, and I'm sure her question is one floating around the minds of many fans. She asks Doug. How will the renewal program go for the Indy 500? Uh, she also wonders, are renewals still due in June? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a timely, uh, timely question. Um, it's one that we've been talking about internally um, because we had hoped by now to uh, walk through the renewal process. Um, and we will be talking about that over the course of the next couple of weeks. But uh, uh, if somebody... Um, doesn't send their renewal in uh, in June. They're they're going to be okay. I mean, our, we're going to start our 500 hours. Um, you know, as we get at the end of the Indianapolis 500, which would be sometime at uh, you know in the afternoon of the 23rd of August, and and go from there. Um, it's funny though. We have customers who are interested in renewing for their 2021 Indianapolis 500. Uh, even though the 2020 race hasn't run because just like everything else at the Speedway, it's their tradition to renew uh, before the end of May. So we're trying to manage through that as well. But uh, the customers will get a notice uh, on exactly how that'll work here, I hope, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, uh, we're going to be sure that we take care of uh, customers. They don't need to worry about their uh, seniority or losing their seats uh, if they don't uh, if they don't renew in, in that traditional window that, uh, uh, that isn't so uh, – isn't so obvious this year with the 500 move into August. I know I'm trying to look for the question that came in from someone here. And I know for sure, uh, there's a guy by the name of M Pruitt that has this question as well. Buddy Campbell, uh, says, Doug, uh, how much memorabilia was already made for the May Indy 500 date on it or with the Indy 500 date on it in May and what'll happen to it? Is there an IMS garage sale coming? Uh, is there new memorabilia with the adjusted date? And then he adds, you know, are we expecting to see uh, similar to the 2020 San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl champion shirts? Thanks, buddy. I'm wearing my 49er shirt right now, by the way, pal. Are we going to see any of these kind of off-brand May 2020 500 stuff showing up in uh, thrift stores and whatnot? It's a gr- another great question and a very timely one. It's one we've been talking about really since the since the moment we moved the race from May 24th to August 23rd was what do we do with all of this uh, Indianapolis 500 presented by Gamebridge May 24th, 2010 or 2020 um, merchandise. So there are quite a bit of the, of the t-shirts and hats and some of those things had already been, had already been produced. And we will have, uh, we will have appropriately, um, appropriately dated infra- or, um, merchandise for the race in August. And we're trying to figure out right now what it is that we end up doing with, uh, uh, some of that, uh, uh, some of that material that uh, is dated from the May 24th. So we haven't decided exactly 
Uh, but there'll definitely be an opportunity for people to, uh, they feel like they need something from, from the postponed date. Um, it'll be available. And then I think probably at the end of the year, when we have our end of the year sale, those will be, uh, uh, those will be some items that, uh, uh, that, that are on sale on the sale racks. I think IndyCar might be leaving an opportunity on the table here, Doug. So at Texas and Road America and Richmond, even the the July 4 road course race at Indy, I think all on-track penalties need to be in the form of a Sharpie and a thousand T-shirts. And those drivers who commit the offenses have to just change the date on each of those T-shirts with a Sharpie for you. So I think there, there could be a little bit of labor assistance here. Let me, uh, let me throw in one, uh, another one, this one being definitely from M. Pruitt, although I'm flat broke and don't have any money for this. Memorabilia show. The, I mean, granted, my body right now is telling me to get to Indianapolis yeah. for Saturday morning. Because, yeah, you hold a 500-mile race, whatever. The thing I go there for, the real reason for my annual trek, is that Saturday morning memorabilia show. Any thoughts on whether that and some of the other normal functions and traditions leading into the race weekend are going to happen as planned in August? So a lot of that's still yet to be determined, but I can tell you the reason we landed on the two-week and the two weekends in August was because we wanted to be able to replicate as much of what people expect in May as possible. So whether it, whether it's um, some practice days and a fast Friday and two qualifying days to a carb day um, and, and all the other things that take place around it. So I'm hopeful that a lot of those things will be able to transfer over to, uh, to August. Um, like you, one of my favorite things to do is walk through the memorabilia show because there's just so much fascinating stuff uh, to look at and and um, there's always something new and and it's it is a lot of fun to see the the number of people who just love finding whatever it is that they you know they enjoy collecting related to the to the speedway so it, it is a good time and for people that have never been before that's definitely it, it, it sort of flies under the radar and unless you're a real uh, indy 500 geek like like you are like i am um, you may not know that it takes place but even for the casual fan it's a it's pretty fascinating just to see the number of things that are there that have been produced over the years related to the speedway and the drivers that have competed here and it's a it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic way to lose an entire morning going from table to table looking at uh, looking at memorabilia i absolutely know that if it does not happen there's going to be a severe economic impact and downturn in the state based on what <laughs> miller and i usually contribute to the economy at that memorabilia show Let's go to, uh, man, we got a lot of great questions for you here. So thanks again to everyone who's taking time to send them in. Uh, why don't we go to Shauna Oakwood? It says, Doug, how did you find your way into your position of president of the Speedway? Uh, she also says, thank you for being so awesome to families. We met you at the SVRA Vintage event last year, and getting to go to Victory Circle is my favorite indie memory ever, and our kids loved it. Well, I, I wish I could. I wish I could map out for people how this happened. Um, you, you know, I've uh, like most folks um, who are Indy 500 fans. Uh, my dad introduced me to the Speedway. My dad was the United States Auto Club yearbook editor, 
in the early 60s, so which was essentially their PR guy back in the day. And um, actually, Donald Davidson, when my dad left there, Donald Davidson is the guy that took took the job that my dad had. So there, so I grew up in a family where where we talked racing and in particular the Indy 500 all the time. It was it was what my dad was passionate about as well. And then when I went to school. I've uh, decided to be a journalism major because I figured at least maybe I could write about it. And uh, I just decided from there, that every, really every job I've had, I've tried to figure out a way to make motorsport part of the job. And then in 1997, I had an opportunity through Terry Lingner and Jim Harbaugh and Gary Pettigo, um, and John Barnes, an opportunity to be part of Panther Racing. We started that and was there for quite a while and then uh, sold my piece of Panther Racing and uh went out and practiced law, which I did not enjoy doing, except for the times I got to do motorsport law. And then uh, I had an opportunity because of Mark Dill and Jeff Belskis to uh, to get back to the Speedway in 2010 and then just uh, started there on the communication, leading the communication team. And uh, just over time, it progressed to uh, chief operating officer and then ultimately uh, president. So uh, it's a weird way to get there, and, and it's one I can't I can't necessarily explain why. And it's not really my dream job because you could have never dreamed of being in this job. And if you think about family-owned company and, and where it is, so this is better than a dream job. And, and uh, I've appreciated the fact that uh, uh, the Roger Penske and team and Mark Miles have allowed me to uh, have allowed me to continue through the transition and um, you know, continue just to be passionate about the place. And and I love to connect with families and and especially uh, kids when people take time to bring kids. I mean that's the, those. Their kids will uh, remember uh, their parents bringing them, and those are the folks that are going to make sure that the speedway is healthy in the future. So anytime I see folks with kids, I, I carry little pins around that I try and give to just the kids. And if I have an opportunity to drag somebody on victory lane, um, I try not to make sure – I try to make sure the lawyers don't see me bringing somebody up without without the right credentials. But for me, you know, anytime you can make a small memory like that, you hope that it – it sticks in a kid's mind and you know 20 30 40 years from now they're saying well here's how i fell in love with the speedway and they're passing it on to the next generation and this isn't blowing smoke this is just sharing an observation of a guy who's been doing this for a long time like you you bring something perfect to your role and that is a level of passion and humility that is befitting of the facility and i I'm confident, Doug, that's why you have become so popular. Popularity doesn't mean anything if it's just for the sake of being known. Your popularity among uh, folks locally and just in general who go to IMS, I believe stems from the fact that you are seen and perceived as one of them. You might have the title of president, but you perform it in such a way to where there are no lines drawn. We know that maybe not so much racing circuits, but in our sport, you know, you can get the uh, the velvet rope treatment. Oh, sorry, VIP. This is a big, important person. Step back. You've never been that guy. And so really, you're the president slash man of the people. And it. I think it's really resonated. So uh, I, I assume you know that, but it's been pretty cool to see you held up uh, by so many people in that regard. Well, it's, it's funny you and I and people I don't think necessarily know this about me, but um, if you and my wife in our relationship is the A personality, and if you were to take both of us and drop us in a room um, with a bunch of strangers, my wife would make friends with almost all of them, and I would be lucky to make friends with one of them because my personality just isn't 
uh, one that that puts me out front. Uh, what allows me to so I think so I think when you see me at the speedway. Um, and I get a chance to talk to people. I am a fan, and what I really feel like my role is is to give the fans a, a face and a set of ears to hear their complaints or their stories of why they love the place. Um, and and so w- when they see me, I hope that's what they see. Is it really? It, it has nothing to do with me. It is a hundred percent about. Um, I've um, I almost sort of put on the clothes of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and and I want to be that conduit for them to share their stories or their emotions, or to say, hey, can you fix X, Y, or Z? Because this experience doesn't work, uh, and that's that's what, how I view my role. And my race days, for example, you talk about velvet ropes are not in suites. My race days are literally um, in the grandstands, uh, on the grounds, on the mounds, talking to fans and making sure that they're having a great experience because you can't fix it by hanging out in a suite, uh, drinking a beer uh, with your buddies. You have to get out in the in the grandstands and really understand it. So, and that's the, that's the other reason why I call folks at night. It's not it's not about me. It's about I want them to know that the speedway, the facility. Um, thanks them for really caring and making the effort to uh, make the speed, the 500 important and not just financially buying tickets, but it's a commitment, especially if you, if you come from outside of Indiana, you're, um, you know, you're figuring out how to travel, where you're going to stay. And then if you come from inside Indiana, it's not just an hour commitment. It's a full day's commitment of time and energy and, and finances. So that's my hope. I might, my hope is that I'm, I'm just able, um, because it wasn't, it wasn't Tony George's personality to do that. Not that you know, Tony loves the Speedway more than anybody did. Um, Jeff Belskis's personality was not to um, you know make himself available to to fans to to uh, really understand the experience. So I think that's the one the one thing I've really tried to bring to it is just that is just that connection to the fans, so that they know that their voice is heard. And as we make decisions, the first thing we think about is how does this impact the customer. Let's go to Louise Smith. She asked, Doug, what can you tell us about the improvements to the museum? So the interesting thing about the museum, and I know this is hard for folks to kind of grasp sometimes because it is right in the middle of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So it's a separate 501c3 foundation, and it was uh, designated that almost 15 years ago now um, as tax law and other as other reasons came about that it had to become a 501c3. So it, it operates... Uh, independent from the speedway and obviously uh, you know we have a lot of influence because of the races but it, it is the place that 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 stores our history and there's no place better to tell the story of the indianapolis 500 than walking through through the through the indianapolis motor speedway museum um, so the foundation has really worked over the last couple of years to start building a long-term plan on how can they modernize the experience how can they make the facility better and Roger Pinsky, frankly, I think is going to help them do that um, just because he's so interested in the history and, uh, as well. So having Roger help run that. Tony George is the chairman of the foundation, so you, you so it maintains that passion of the Holman George family over there. So so I'm excited about what the future holds uh, holds for the museum. It's really in my time uh, around the Speedway, in just the last couple of years is really, uh, they've really started focusing on a long-term plan to make improvements to the facility, make improvements to the exhibits. I've loved what they've done the last couple of years with the, with changing out the exhibits. So right now they have the from the vault, uh, exhibit, uh, presented by bank of America in there. That's just some of the things that we all hear are in the basement that we don't ever get a chance to see. So rotating those through, but the, you know, honoring AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti and the Unser family, 
Uh, those those exhibits have been fantastic. So they're really starting to think more like a museum instead yeah. of just a caretaker of old cars. So I think the future is really bright, and I think you'll begin to see some of those changes over the course of the next couple of years. I love it. It's, yeah. Uh, again, it's one of those things where every year, absolutely guaranteed to go and spend some private time at the museum because it, it replenishes whatever corners of the soul uh, are calling for it. Going to run through a couple of final questions for you, Doug, and then let you back to your day. You're going to go to our pal Right Turn Lover, sending in a question from Europe. It says, Doug, in these strange days, I assume your primary focus is on trying to deliver the racing series and events that are already on the calendar. But he wonders, do you have any bandwidth for thinking about bringing back some of the series that maybe were once here but are not <laughs> currently racing, whether it's IMSA, F1, MotoGP, it's MotoGP etc.? Does that have a space on your to-do list these days, or is that parked for let's get through the virus? So, I, you know, our, pri- our, our priority, obviously, is trying to make sure that we're, we get through uh, this challenging time and have an Indianapolis 500. Uh, one of the great things about having Roger Penske uh, involved is that Roger has relationships throughout all of those organizations and i'd certainly love to see an imsa race at the speedway and um and have a good relationship with the with the folks at imsa and uh uh, john dunan uh, obviously knows the speedway and has been involved with the speedway from his days at mazda so we've got a great dialogue about the potential of uh, getting imsa back at the speedway at some point in time um you know, one of the things that's really important to me when we go through any kind of track improvements in each year is to make sure that we um, continue to be one of only two tracks in the U.S. that are FIA grade one, which means we could essentially host an F1 race tomorrow if needed. And we're the only track in, in North America that has an FIA grade one certificate on two different layouts for a circuit. So, you know, if there were ever a way that uh, F1 could run at the Speedway, certainly would uh, love to do that. Uh, so so that would definitely be something we'd be open for a conversation about. Um, but right now, it's just really focused on let's make sure that we get the 500 uh, uh, the five hundred going and make sure that we get our, our July weekend uh, finished. And then we'll see what, uh, what the future holds uh, with respect to uh, additional events. Going to go to Gabe Argenta. Brian Cohn also sent in something on this topic. They said, Doug, heard you got behind the wheel during last year's uh, Champ Car Enduro event at IMS. Any good stories from that weekend? What car did you drive? And any additional Doug Bowles race car driver plans here in the future? So that's a great, a great question. Um, so I do try and get behind the wheel of whatever I can, whenever I can. So I've, I've participated in the SVRA race almost every year of SVRA, whether I run a, whether I've been in old formula BMW or formula Ford in the last couple of years, I've had a blast driving a, uh, an old trans am car, um, with a guy here in town who was a, a legendary high school uh, coach, uh, from the West side of the state and running 170 miles an hour down the, into turn one in the, in a big old Pontiac trans am car is a blast. Um, I did some laps in the skip barber car during the skip barber school in, in the fall. So, um, definitely have an opportunity in the in the Champ Car Endurance event. I, I uh, drove in an, a Mustang that had never started or been on track um, until that morning uh, for a team called Resilience Racing, who was it's a team um, formed by a former employee of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, former retired military, who's developing it as a program to help 
uh, men and women who have uh, have come with some sort of PTSD or some sort of other injury um, defending our country as a way to uh, uh, raise awareness for them. And, and it was the first time on track. So I got to run uh, over the course of a couple of days. We, I probably got uh, – 12 or 15 laps in, we spent most of our time in the garage uh, working on that. So, uh, but yeah, anytime I get an opportunity to uh, get on track. So on Sunday this week at 2 Eastern, we have the special on NBC and the beginning hour is going to be pretty cool. And the two doctors uh, from the Mayo Clinic that, that, that uh, sing and play the piano that are sort of gone viral are going to be featured there. And they came in to do a little performance on the Yard of Bricks and they wanted a track lap. So Roger asked me to give them a track lap. So anytime, even if I can get in the Corvette and just take laps at the speedway, that speed is always fun. So, um, I think Beth is completely, my wife, Beth, I think is completely certain that she'll get a call someday, uh, in the evening and say, Hey, uh, um, Doug's not coming home tonight. He, he must've gone out to take some laps to cool down after a long day at work and, and the car didn't make it through turn three. So, uh, I, I do get an occasion just to sneak out there by myself at night and, uh, Every once in a while, I have a conference call and just set the set the car in cruise control and take some laps. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, let's see. Where else do we go? Uh, let's go to Jamie Carr. It says, Doug, can you share one of your favorite fan stories? Uh, something a fan told you. Maybe they did. He says, for example, one year in the infield, I saw a casket that had been converted into a beer cooler. I mean, I would imagine you have to write these things down because they come pretty fast and and fairly common for you here. But anything come to mind you can share? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of fan stories. Uh, so I told you already, I love interacting with kids, and I, I so I love I, I love that. I especially love hearing the stories when somebody says, "Well, my dad brought me or my grandpa, and this is the third or fourth generation of our family to to come to the Speedway." I, um, I don't have any tattoos, but I absolutely love. <laughs> When people show me their Indianapolis Motor Speedway passion through their tattoos, uh, and there are some people that have the most elaborate uh, tattoos uh, all over their bodies uh, related to the Speedway, and so I, so I do. There's just something about that. I don't have I don't have the guts to do one myself, but I, I appreciate you know seeing people's interpretation and their passion for the Speedway um, as part of skin art. So there's a ton of those uh, those stories that uh, that I see. And one of the ones maybe that sticks out most in my memory is. Uh, Beth kind of thinks I'm crazy when I go out and uh, wander around and talk to folks, and uh, and every once in a while I drag her with me. And we were uh, two two five hundreds ago. We were out in turn three on a practice day, and um, I love to see what people are cooking and and grilling out. And and occasionally I'll eat a burger with somebody. It just depends on on what's going on for the day. And at one point I was in turn three talking to some folks, and I turn around and I hear these guys yelling. And I turn around and they're yelling because Beth has just they, and they had a one of those little blow up backyard pools and Beth had decided with them to, um, they were all sitting around and they, they rolled up all their pants and, and taken all their shoes off and, and were sitting with their, you know, with their feet in and around this pool, not paying attention to anything on track, but just enjoying fellowship. And somehow they'd convinced my wife to, uh, to hang out and take her shoes off and, 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 and sit in the pool and, and have a drink with them. And, and, you know, those are the kind of things when you just, it's, it's really a lot less about what's going on on track and just the way that people, um, celebrate, uh, with friends and with family and, and just enjoy being at the facility. But, um, there's a, ton, there's a ton of, uh, there's definitely a ton of those, those kind of memories. Um, you know, stuff like, uh, every once in a while I'll see somebody a couple years ago, there was a guy with a Corvette, <clears throat> 
outside of gate one getting a picture taken as I was going home from work, like 7.30 or 8 at night, um, still light out summer. And so I stopped in and said, what's going on? It was a, there was They had a Honda and a Corvette, and they'd driven to Fort Wayne to pick the Corvette up. Guy had bought it online. They were driving back to Tennessee, and he wanted to stop by there because he'd never been before, but his dad had always come to the 500, and his dad had cancer and was dying, and he was talking to his dad on the phone. And so I was talking to his buddy about it. And so he got off the phone. I said, hey, follow me. And I took him to the yard of bricks with his Corvette. He parked his Corvette on the yard of bricks and FaceTimed his dad. So when you have opportunities to do stuff like that, those are the kind of things that mean the most to me when when it connects to, you know, that for that guy, never been there before, but he knew what it meant to his dad. And then to be able to take his brand new Corvette on the yard of bricks and FaceTime with his dad who loved the Speedway. Wow. I mean, those are the things that, that – uh, um, you know, that's how, in a lot of ways, that's how I feel like I should be using the position. Give people that special moment that makes makes them really feel good about why they've spent so much time loving the Speedway. The jumping into a pool with fans is the most Beth Bowles thing possible. <laughs> I like that uh, there couldn't be anything more on brand than her doing that. That is so awesome. All right. Two more to go, Doug. Uh, one here from Andy Dumansky. Who asks, Doug, when things are crazy and you get a few free minutes, is there a place on the IMS grounds that's become your favorite to get away and collect your thoughts or take a deep breath? Well, I mean, I, I think the place that, and it's the obvious one, right? It's it's uh, when you have a moment, especially when the place is empty. I love sitting on the yard of bricks with my back under the flag stand you know against the driver's right outside wall um and reflecting on just what those yard of bricks have meant to so many drivers and crew members and fans uh, over the years and when you sit down on the ground you're below the level of the wall and it just it it really becomes this really silent still still place and you can just feel the magic um the magic of the speedway so that that's probably the most special place and then any opportunity to watch a sunrise or a sunset from the roof of the of the pagoda is magical. And while Indiana is really flat, so you can see forever. There's no mountains, there's no oceans, um, like a lot of places in our country. But but just seeing the vastness of the Midwest um, and watching a beautiful sunrise or a, a beautiful sunset from the pagoda is uh, is a magical moment as well. Amen. We're going to close here with a fun hypothetical. From our man, Chris Peterson, says, Doug, you've got the entire facility to yourself for a day. Everything in the museum will work safely if you choose to use it. Nobody's there. Nobody will see or report on anything you do. Heck, you can even run around the track in your birthday suit if you wanted to. Says you can take out one of AJ's old roadsters for a couple laps. You can cuddle the Borg Warner trophy all day. What do you do? Don't worry. We won't tell. (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's so so opening the museum up changes what you would do right if it was just you got the track to yourself you know what do you what do you do um uh, but if if the museum were open and everything worked uh, i'd have a hard time um not spending a little bit of time with the 1977 uh aj44 time winner um that just to me, just because I was my first 500 and AJ was my hero, um, wow. and that car to me, you know, is such a special one. It definitely having to sneak that thing out for a bit would probably be, uh, in order. Uh, maybe, maybe Mark Donahue's 72 winner just to, uh, 
you know, just to say, hey, um, I want to know what that big old wing feels like trailing, trailing you down the front stretch. Uh, and then only because, you know, the guy could have won four races in a row and the car I don't think has run since uh, since it was donated to the museum, um, getting in Bill Lukovic's car and, and just thinking about what an unbelievable race car driver he was, uh, and especially to muscle those cars around back in the 50s. Um, you know, that might be a – in fact, that one might even just go right to the front, and I'd, I'd put AJ's car second. But but uh, those would those would definitely be on my list uh, uh, to, to mess with and make sure nobody at the museum knew. We're not going to talk about me running around naked because we don't want to cause an international incident there. But if I had the chance – to have the place to myself and the keys to the museum, I would go and find and fire up Jimmy Murphy's 1922 doozy Miller is Indy 500 winner and take that piece of American royalty. Also the winner of the first ever Grand Prix by an American driver, the 1921 French Grand Prix. I would go and take that amazing number 12 out and hopefully get it up to some serious speed to get a feel because I'm confident it would be frightening, truly it frightening. Would, which it would definitely be frightening. Absolutely understand the heroics involved of some of the original winners of the Indianapolis 500. Doug, thank you so much for taking this time. We even went into, went into overtime a little bit, but thank you so much for being gracious with your time and helping us here in a week where again our bodies are telling us go to indianapolis there is a race but in its absence i appreciate you taking some time and uh sharing some stories and insights with our listeners and fans uh, thanks for having me and uh yeah, it's weird not uh, not thinking about going racing here in a couple days, but the good news is uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway isn't going anywhere. It's going to be here on the backside of this, and lots more memories to be made at this place. And look forward to uh, look forward to seeing people here um, soon. <laughs>